Hello, Cam. How are you? Good, Hal. How are you doing? Excellent. I was listening to you on the uh, Clay Young Weekend Morning Show on the weekend, you and uh, and Clay, uh, because I was concerned uh, whether or not I had won the $60 million in the Lotto Max draw. Well, I, 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 I'm assuming you got some bad news. I did. Well, now hang on. Maybe not. I found out that I did not win the $60 million, okay. right? Because yeah. somebody in Quebec. Why is it always somebody in Quebec, right? I guess more people, I get that, but it's always Quebec. It's, it seems it seems to be that. Um, I know. I, sometimes there's like a Nova Scotia thrown in there every now and then. You know, you got to throw them a bone. Well, yeah. they got to get a bone just to make to Just to make it legit, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It can yeah. always be Quebec. Yeah. Well, I was uh, excited to learn, though, that while we didn't win the $60 million, here in Winnipeg, there was a million-dollar ticket sold. Mm-hmm. I think there was another one for half a million and a third one for a hundred grand. But the million dollar ticket interests me. I have ten max millions tickets, so mm-hmm. you can tell uh, I've given up on my uh, investment <laughs> portfolio, and I am uh, I am now investing weekly in Lotto Max. You, you got all your eggs in one basket. Yes, yeah. right. I I did like sixty bucks or whatever on the way home on Friday, so I have not checked my tickets yet. Well, you you might have a winner there in your pocket, uh, Hal. Uh, I know management is concerned about this, so I'll tell them right now, I will not be checking my tickets halfway through the show. So you don't need to worry about me leaving halfway through the show. Yeah, Jeff's just going to have to be playing music <laughs> yes. uh, for, for right. about, uh, yes. the last hour and a yes. half. It's like, what's with Hal Anderson's show today? It's all music. <laughs> he won the lotto and he left. Uh, Jeff Fortier producing the show today. Cam's here with the news uh, throughout the afternoon. Cam, we'll chat some more in a bit. Lots coming up on the show today. We'll talk a bit about uh, the lottery if you want. What would you do with a million bucks? Is a million even enough anymore? And I don't want to sound like this guy who's got tons of cash because I don't, but is a million really even enough to change your life anymore? I guess it would change your life, but it certainly wouldn't necessarily mean you retire, right? You'd pay your bills off. You might get a nicer house, maybe share with, you know, some family and friends and carry on. I think. I don't know. Am I wrong about that? 204-780-6868. How much would you need? How much would you need to win? And let's not be greedy. The 60 million, I feel like 60 million, or you, you hear about these big uh, Powerball jackpots in the U.S., you know, $380 million. How could you ever, I mean, I guess you figure out how to spend it, right? But boy, that's almost too much, right? So what's enough? And then maybe secondary question, what's too much? Because if it's too much, then you start getting bugged, right? It's like, hey, you know, strangers start hitting you up for cash. All right, so that's uh, one question we can start with today, 204-780-6868. We're going to talk a lot about Trump today. We're going to talk a lot about Trudeau today. We're going to talk a lot about Jung-un today. We are now less than seven hours away from Trump and Jung-un sitting down uh, and having their summit. And, of course, the G7 summit wrapped up on the weekend. Oh, boy. Uh, They had a nice communique. Everybody was happy. Uh, Trudeau said something uh, to set off Trump. Trump backed out of the communique. And this is all on Twitter, of course, apparently from Air Force One. And just what a mess. So we'll talk about that later on in the show after the news at 2.30 with Cam. We'll talk to Sean McDonald. He teaches negotiation and consensus building at the Asper School of Business at the University of of Manitoba. We'll see what Sean thinks of all this. And I'll, I'll lay out some of the, we'll sort of go through what happened on the weekend in some order. 
uh, here after our first break. Okay, I'll play some of the audio for you so we're up to speed. So when Sean joins us after the news at 2.30, we kind of know what we're talking about, although there's been a lot of coverage on this. So you may already have a pretty good idea of what's going on. Bob Irving will join us right after the news at 1.30. There were cuts on the weekends. One or two may surprise you. And who's the quarterback? Are we any closer to knowing which one might get the chance to start after that game the other night in BC? I'm thinking it's still Strebler. That's what I'm thinking, right? Although I did watch a little bit of Bennett, and I thought Bennett looked. Now, he's green, right? But I thought he looked kind of interesting. But obviously, you got to go with your best chance at a win. And I think right now, it's Strebler. Although Alex Ross did maybe make a bit of a case for himself in the game in BC, but I think it's still Strebler. We'll talk to Bob Irving after the news here at 1.30. After we talk to Bob, Jeff Braun, one of the couch potatoes. It is the 25th anniversary of Jurassic Park today. Jurassic Park came out in theaters on this day in 1993. So we'll talk to Jeff about that. And I know Jeff Courier has been talking a bit about that this morning. But I've got actually a few other movie anniversaries for Jeff Braun that I don't think he is aware of that are worth mentioning, and a couple in TV, too. So we'll talk to Jeff Braun at about 1.45. We'll kick off the 2 o'clock hour with Tough Trivia, your chance at four Red River X gate admissions and some Santa Lucia pizza. So get ready for our Tough Trivia question. We'll, at about 2.15, get into this uh, new study that says Manitoba men are the unhealthiest in all of Canada. That's not good. We'll talk about it at 2.15. Like I said, Sean McDonald, Asper School of Business, after the news at 2.30. And then Diana Foxhall, one of our global news reporters, will join us at about 2.45. She's out trying to find answers uh, to uh, what we need to do to get healthier. Men, I'm talking to us men, uh, what we have to do to get healthier here in the province of Manitoba and really right across the country. Although here in, in Manitoba, we're the least healthy of all Canadian men. All right, so as you can see, we have lots to get to, and then, of course, we'll, you know, squeeze in some odds and ends as we go along here today. By the way, it's corn on the cob day today. Corn on the cob, nothing like a good uh, corn on the cob. Corn on the cob day today. Cotton candy day, which is good, getting closer to the Red River X, and it's making life beautiful day today as well. One ten. Quick break, and then we're coming back. We're going to play some audio of Trump, Trudeau, and we'll set up the summit with Trudeau, uh, with Trump and uh, Jung-un. Okay, we'll do all that after a break. Cal Anderson on CJOB. All right, where to begin? Oh, my goodness. So the G7 meets in Quebec, right? And they come up with a deal. They have a communique. They've all agreed, and Trump takes off. And Trump is on uh, Air Force One. And after the G7 summit, Trudeau, our prime minister, had this to say. I uh, told the president that we would be uh, moving forward with retaliatory equivalent tariffs as of July 1st. And uh, he expressed to me that he thought that would be a mistake. I highlighted directly to the president uh, that um, Canadians... Um, did not take it lightly uh, that the United States has moved forward with significant tariffs on our steel and aluminum industry, particularly did not take lightly the fact that it's based on a national security uh, reason that 
for Canadians who either themselves or whose parents or community members have stood shoulder to shoulder with American soldiers in far off lands and conflicts um, from the First World War onwards, um, that it's kind of insulting. And I highlighted that it was not helping in our uh, renegotiation of NAFTA and that it would be with regret, but it would be with absolute certainty and firmness that we move forward with retaliatory measures on July 1st, applying equivalent tariffs to the ones that the Americans have uh, unjustly applied to us. Uh, I have made it very clear to the President that it is not something we relish doing, but it is something that we absolutely will do, because Canadians polite, we're reasonable, but we also will not be pushed around. And with that, Donald Trump lost it on Twitter. He went crazy, called our prime minister all kinds of names. By the way, I love that our prime minister, uh, Justin Trudeau, basically apologized, right? Like said, we don't, you know, we hate doing this, but, you know, because us Canadians, the world sees us as very polite and always apologizing, right? I, I like that. That was, I smiled. But anyhow, he was not very happy. And then he sent his guys out on the political shows yesterday on TV uh, to comment. He uh, Trump pulled out of the communique from the G7, called our prime minister all kinds of names. And then his guys on TV yesterday did the same. This is Larry Kudlow. He's Trump's chief economic advisor. Here's what he had to say about our prime minister and what happened at and after the G7. We went there, uh, all the punditry was saying, A, President Trump might not even go to G7, B, we'll never sign a communique because C, we're not gonna work with other people. Well, we did, in good faith. I personally negotiated with uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, who, by the way, I basically liked working with, but not until this sophomoric play. I mean, we went through it, we agreed, we compromised on the communique, we joined the communique in good faith. Well, he holds a press conference and he said the U.S. is insulting. He said that uh, Canada has to stand up for itself. He says that uh, we are the problem with tariffs. Well, what the, the, the infactual, the non-factual part of this was they have enormous tariffs. I mean, they have tariffs on certain dairy and food products of a 290, 295 uh, percent. He was polarizing. You know, here's the thing. I mean, he really kind of stabbed us in the back. He really actually, you know what? He did a great disservice to the whole G7 because they were united in the G7. They came together. Now, I saw that interview live as it was happening on CNN with Jake Tapper on State of the Union. And when Larry Kudlow said, uh, now Kudlow comes from the media. Keep that in mind, right? So he's pretty good at what he does, speaking. Uh, Kudlow said, he, Trudeau stabbed us in the back. And I thought, wow, that's pretty strong language, unusual language for a government official to use when talking about another world leader, right? That caught me by surprise. I did not see this interview on Fox News Sunday, but Peter Navarro, the White House trade advisor, went even further. Listen to what he said about our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and what happened at the G7. There's a, a special place in hell for any foreign leader that engages in bad faith diplomacy with President Donald J. Trump. 
and then tries to stab him in the back on the way out the door. I'll see or stab you in the back and I'll raise you a place in hell, a special, <laughs> a special place in hell. Wow. That's just crazy talk, if you ask me. And then our foreign affairs minister, uh, Christia Freeland, uh, here is uh, what she had to say after all this happened at and after the G7 summit. Canada does not believe that ad hominem attacks are a particularly appropriate or useful way to conduct our relations with other countries. For me, what is insulting and what I object to very strongly is the illegal and unjustified imposition of tariffs on Canadian steel and aluminum. Uh, the, pre the national security pretext is absurd and frankly insulting to Canadians, the closest and strongest ally the United States has had. We can't pose a security threat to the United States and I know that Americans understand that. The government of Canada is absolutely committed to standing strong, to defending our workers and our industry, and our retaliatory tariffs will come into effect perfectly reciprocal, perfectly measured, a dollar-for-dollar dollar response on July 1st, which is Canada Day, perhaps not inappropriate. Christina Freeland, our foreign affairs minister, on, uh, well, this whole G7 mess. And it is a bit of a mess, right? What I found kind of interesting is that these American officials that were on the shows yesterday, Kudlow and uh, Navarro, they were both kind of saying, well, it's Trudeau made us look weak heading to this summit with Kim Jong-un. Come on, really? But I'll tell you what, they don't often talk about Canada on the CNN and the Fox Newses and the MSNBCs, right? We're not a big player usually, but boy, they're talking about us now. All, we're all Canada and Justin Trudeau are all, and really they're talking about that a lot considering that we're six and a half hours away from a pretty big summit between Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un. Speaking of that meeting, by the way, Trump and Kim Jong-un, here is a clip of Trump talking about the meeting with Kim Jong-un. I'll play that for you while we're talking politics here. Take a listen. Donald Trump. This has probably rarely been done. It's unknown territory in the truest sense. Uh, but I really feel confident. I feel that Kim Jong-un wants to do something great for his people. And he has that opportunity, and he won't have that opportunity again. It's never going to be there again. So I really believe that he's going to do something very positive for his people, for himself, his family. Uh, he's got an opportunity, the likes of which I think almost, if you look into history, very few people have ever had. He can take that nation with those great people and truly make it great. So it's a one-time, it's a one-time shot, and I think it's going to work out very well. And that's why I feel positive because it makes so much sense. Donald Trump on his meeting coming up tonight with Kim Jong Un. We will see what happens. I, I think, if they just if it goes well, and they agree to keep meeting, I think that's success. I don't think you're going to see any deal signed. 
I don't think. But with these guys, you never know, right? But I don't think we'll see that. I think we're going to see, hopefully, we'll see that they get along and they're going to continue to meet. I think that would be a success. One more thing I want to play here for you. I did not watch the Tony Awards last night. Just not a big theater guy, so not something I would have watched. But if you were watching the Tony Awards last night, you might have seen Bob De Niro, Robert De Niro, get on stage, and the sound was weird. Like, you couldn't hear him. The reason you couldn't hear him is because the CBS um, censors were going crazy. It's live, and he gets up there, and he says, F-bomb Trump. And the crowd goes crazy. And then he says that again, F-bomb Trump. Said it twice. Well, the crowd, the Hollywood crowd, of course, loved that, right? Not a lot of Trump supporters in the Hollywood crowd. Well, Bob De Niro had more to say about Trump at the groundbreaking for a hotel in Toronto this morning. Here's what Robert De Niro said about his president. I just want to make a note of apology for the idiotic behavior of my president. Um, uh, That's a disgrace. And I apologize to um, Justin Trudeau, too, and the other people at the G7. It's disgusting. Great to be here. So Bob De Niro supports our uh, prime minister, even uh, the Tory leader here, and Republicans in the U.S. Sheer here in Canada and Republican leaders in the U.S. like uh, John McCain are supporting our prime minister in what happened with Trump at the G7. All right, so there you go. That's kind of the audio. That's kind of how it all went down. And now we'll talk more about it after the news at 2.30 when Sean McDonald joins us. Sean teaches negotiation and consensus building at the Asper School of Business at the University of Manitoba. We got a break here for the news. Cam will have the news for you. And then Bob Irving will go to Bomberland and find out about the cuts on the weekend and who might start at quarterback for the Bombers Thursday against Edmonton in the regular season opener here at IGF. Hal on CJOB. It's 18 degrees at 680 CJOB. Uh, Mr. Poitras, before you go, how much is enough? We're talking about the lottery. I got a couple text messages I want to read here. Uh, nobody won the $60 million. Somebody in Winnipeg won a million. Is a million enough? And I don't want to seem like a million dollars isn't a lot of money, but, you know, you pay off your bills. You maybe upgrade your house, help out the kids or, you know, your brother or what. And then a million, it's not, it would change your life, but it's not going to mean you don't have to work again. You couldn't retire. I don't think so. Yeah, you'd have the whole family be coming knocking on your door all yeah. of a sudden. <laughs> right. Know, they need a new lawnmower and stuff like that. You couldn't, you couldn't retire in a I don't think you not, could. Not anymore. No. Not anymore. No way. Maybe I could. I'm older. Uh, you couldn't because you still have uh, way too much time <laughs> got, around yeah, here. Yeah, no, I not a chance. Although you no. are living in Manitoba. Apparently you're unhealthy, so who knows? Well, you I, was, know? I was going through that, that <laughs> checklist that Diane set up. I haven't even up. looked at it. I don't even, even want to know. <laughs> and I'm just going, okay, I got that one, that one, I'm really gonna, I got this one. I, I got sleep, and I don't smoke. So those are the two that I have. So but yeah. the rest of them... Yeah. I don't have a chance. Anyhow, <laughs> we're going to talk more about the health later on. Here are the uh, text messages. I'll read these from you guys, 204-780-6868 on the lottery winnings, and then we'll talk to Bob Irving. Uh, we'll go to Bomberland and, and talk to Bob. Uh, here's one here. Pay off everything. I buy my two kids a house of their own plus some cash. 
uh, will take time off for two years, maybe to travel the world. How much I think I need? Five million, Hal. I need five million. Uh, that would be fine for us. Uh, the rest we can work it out. All right. So five million, somebody says, is what they would need. Another one here. I'm retired, so a million dollars would be enough for me and my two girls. Right. So depending on where you are in your life, right? He's you're retired already. So maybe a million's enough for you. Ten million, he goes on to say. Oh, I'm sorry, it's a it's a she, it's Lucille. Ten million, she says, uh, is way too much for one person. Uh I don't know. I hear what you're saying, Lucille, but I don't know. Ten, 60 million, that's too much. Come on. But 10 million? Listen, if you if you had it in the bank, you'd figure out a way to spend it, I think is the bottom line, right? And one more text message. Uh, Hal, what's enough? Half a million would pay off everything and leave me with enough for toys and for my kids' education. What's too much? No amount. Oh, this is interesting. This person says, no amount is too much, Hal. Uh, with enough, I could afford to just disappear and avoid all the people asking for a handout. Yeah, and if you won very much money, you would want to just disappear. I don't think you'd uh, you'd want to be around. And this one just came in uh, from Dave. How a million bucks depends on age and debt, whether or not you could retire. Yeah, I'm just saying generally speaking, a million might change your life, but it's, uh, it's not going to change it in a big way to where maybe you, you don't have to work. I don't know. That's my thought. Keep them coming, 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com. Mr. Bob Irving joins us on the phone now. Hello, Bob. Good afternoon, Hal. Well, Bob, the Bombers made some cuts on the weekend, some of them surprising. Yeah, I guess uh, people were a bit surprised by Faith Akakity being cut. He was the number one overall pick in last year's draft, but... uh... You know, he hadn't uh, improved much during his rookie season last year and uh, during training camp. Uh, the Bomber brass felt that uh, he just hadn't made the, you know, the essential steps forward to be kept around, so they let him go. But, uh, you know, I think beyond that, it was uh, pretty well what we expected. They've got uh, a real core of talent back from last year and some key free agents added, so it's pretty good-looking Pretty good-looking team for, uh, through my eyes. Of course, they're the big question mark, as you well know. Hal is at quarterback. Well, and if you were a betting man, Bob, who would you put your money on? <laughs> my money would be on Chris Streveler. Uh, I know that uh, after the first preseason game, he was the clear choice to be the starter on Thursday night when the regular season opens against the Edmonton Eskimos. I think the perception of all that changed a bit in Vancouver on Friday because uh, Alex Ross had a better game than Strebler. But uh, I think that's the way they're leaning. We, uh, we'll find out in the next 24 hours, I would think. But right now, I'd, I'd bet on Strebler. Yeah, and I think that's what the fans want too, eh, Bob? Is that the sense you're getting? Yeah, I think he made a real good impression in that first preseason game, Hal, against Edmonton. You know, he was 10 for 10 passing, and he had a big run up the middle. He certainly uh, got better wheels than Alex Ross does, so he provides that option. And I think when you're going with a rookie quarterback, a guy who has basically hasn't played at all, and that applies to both Ross and Streveler, uh, if one has mobility and the ability to escape and run with the football, that, you know, that might just be the difference uh, when you – decide which one's going to start the game yeah and if the bombers are going with a backup quarterback for four to six weeks four to six games how does that change this team's offense bob you know it probably better than anybody well they just simplify it a bit hal 
that's all. I, you know, it won't change it very much. They'll still run the things that they like to run and that Paul Lapolice has installed since day one of training camp. Uh, you know, you can't change the what we call the installations very much because the quarterbacks are familiar with it. But what you do is you streamline it and you, you don't uh, pull all, all the tricks out that you might have used with a veteran like Matt Nichols. You just keep it more basic for whoever the quarterback is so that it's easier for him to operate. And a lot of people are saying, hey, if we can, you know, however many games Nichols is out, four or six or five, if we can kind of split wins and losses, that would be a good thing. Are you sort of thinking the same thing? If we can get out winning as many as we lose, we'll be all right? Yeah, I think you want to keep your head above water here in the early going, Hal, with uh, with Nichols out because, you know, let's face it, when he's not in there and the quarterbacks that the Bombers have have no experience, it's going to be tough to win games. It's going to be more difficult than it would have been. Uh, so I would say, yeah, I'm of the same mindset, uh, you know, win a couple in the first four or five, and then you get Nichols back and away you go. Uh, I think that's critical to the Bombers season, and I, I share that feeling for sure. And are the Bombers looking for a more experienced quarterback, or have they given up on that? Because it doesn't seem like there's really anybody out there. Well, that's the key. It's about who's available, and right now there's just nobody available who you would consider to be a significant upgrade over what you have. And again, as I've said, Hal, if you bring a new quarterback in here, how long will it take him to get up to speed on the offense? At Mm -hmm. least a couple of weeks. At least a couple of weeks. Uh, But there's just nobody available that excites me. You know, we've heard about Vernon Adams, who's a a backup uh, in... uh, I think he's in Hamilton now. He's been with three teams, and he keeps getting cut by everybody. Uh, you know, and fans go, well, let's go get Vernon Adams. Well, what's Vernon Adams ever done that yeah. Chris Streveler and Alex Ross haven't done? So right. that's my view of it. And Kevin Glenn's not available, so Drew Tate is retired. Um, there's just nobody out there, in my opinion. Yeah. Tee up Thursday night for us, Bob. Well, it's a 7.30 kickoff. Boy, the weather looks awesome, Hal. The long-range forecast I know is for sunshine and 25 degrees, a perfect night to launch the season. We'll be on the air at 5.30. Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner, will be here. This is the first game of the season in the CFL. It's the lid lifter, as they say. Randy Ambrosi will be on our pregame show, as will a host of others at 5.30. And then Doug and I, are we're amped up already, Hal, for the play-by-play at 7.30. <laughs> Bob, thank you very much. Have a great day. Okay, Al. There he is, voice of the Bombers, Hall of Fame broadcaster Bob Irving. By the way, Bob and Coach O'Shea, Mike, tonight, you're on CJOB Coach's Show 7 to 8 tonight, so don't forget about that. That'll get you all set for the game on Thursday against Edmonton here at IGF. And I'll just remind you that there is a Bomber podcast you should be listening to as well with our Greg Mackling. And Doug Brown, you can find it at cjob.com, Google Play, iTunes, the Bomber Podcast. So there's lots of uh, Bomber content. If you are a Bomber fan, there's lots you should be listening to getting ready for the game against Edmonton on Thursday. And uh, what do you think? Do you agree with me and, and Bob? Strebler's the guy. He should get the ball. Should he be our starting, our, our starting, uh, starting quarterback? What do you think? 204, seven, somebody just said, uh, uh, where's Drew Willie, question mark. Really? No. Come on. Sorry. I don't think so. 
I, I would rather, uh, unless there's just an obvious choice out there, and Bob just explained there isn't, I say hand the ball to Streveler. Let's go. Give him a chance. This is kind of what it's all about. And I know we haven't had a whole lot of success with the Bombers over the years taking a young quarterback and developing a young quarterback. But I think in this case, you know, if we can split the games and uh, and then, you know, maybe he maybe Strebler plays well and we go, hey, now we have a now we have a proven backup. So down the down the road a bit, if we're faced with an opportunity for him to go back in, we feel a little more confident about that. I don't know. That's what I think. But what do you think? 204-780-6868, Hal at CJOB.com. Back to the lottery question for a moment. We found out that, well, I found out on the weekend, I was checking out the website, and I, I saw on the weekend that there were Winnipeg winners, not of the big $60 million jackpot in Lotto Max, but there was a million-dollar winner. I think there was also a Winnipeg winner of half a million and then a hundred grand too, but a million dollars. So, you know, is that enough? that be enough to to pack it in. Mike says, how much is a knife is enough uh, to pay off your family's bills, take care of your kids. The rest would be a bonus. I'm positive a million would do it. Well, good. Yeah, great. So a million would do it for Mike. Dave says, Hal, I'm 49, no debt. I've saved for my retirement. I'd be retired by 50. Why work? Volunteer, definitely. Cool. Thank you, Dave. And then we've got some people that... Uh, are obviously, uh, you know, really good with money and investing money. Somebody says, Hal, interest on a million is enough to live on each year. And then another texter says, goes into more detail and says, Hal, if you invest a million dollars in a decent fund, you should be able to earn 60 to 80 grand a year. That's not bad. So, yeah, if you don't have to spend any of the principal, right, if you can just tuck it away, then, uh, yeah, maybe you could quit and, uh, you know, but I, I would argue a lot of people would uh, would want to spend some of that million. And a lot of people would spend the whole million pretty quickly. Keep those uh, text messages coming. Emails as well, 204-780-6868. Hal at cjob.com. My inbox is always open. We'll take another quick break. And when we come back, One of the couch potatoes will be here. We'll talk about a movie that came out 25 years ago today. Hal on CJOB. All right, just before uh, Jeff Braun, one of the couch potatoes, joins us here, I got to thank, we love it when you guys send us tips, uh, however you do that, email, uh, text, phone it in. Rob just sent me a picture, and it's a very good picture. It's... uh, it's a perimeter and pipeline road, and it looks like, a, I guess, a, a semi has uh, rolled, and it's in the ditch. And as it rolled, it snapped a power pole, and the power pole, half the power pole is in the air with the lines, and the other half is is on the ground in the ditch, I guess. Great picture, Rob. Thank you very much for that. So perimeter and pipeline, keep that in mind if you're out and about this afternoon. And, uh, yeah, keep the, especially the traffic tips. Those are really valuable. We we like getting those because we can let everybody know about what you see out there. 204-780-6868. Hal at cjlb.com. My inbox is always open. Uh, Jeff Braun, one of the couch potatoes. But before we talk to Jeff, a clip. Oh, oh. Can't see us if we don't move.
Hello, Jeffrey. Hey, help. How are you? Great. Excellent. So, big anniversary today in the movie world. Uh, it was on this day in 1993, so yep. 25 years ago today. Right. The original Jurassic Park movie. Boom. Yeah. One of the greats. You think it's one of the greats? Yeah, right? for blockbusters, I really do. Mm. Uh, and I'm. It's one of my. It's probably my biggest movie regret is I didn't see it in the theater. I didn't see it until 1995 on a 13-inch television on VHS. Yeah, not the same, eh? And a friend of mine's like, what do you mean you haven't seen it? You have to see it. And I still I really enjoyed it. Yeah. But, yeah, and they came out and they did, did like a 3D conversion a few years ago mm. and put that in theaters. So I did go to see that just yeah. to correct that mistake. And it really was sort of one of the first movies that got those special effects right, eh? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think, like, the whole genesis of the movie was just so Steven Spielberg could be like, come on, we're going to start doing CGI in movies now. Yeah. Let's let's do it right and let's do it big. And is they it, did. Is it true he took a piece of the action on that movie and he made two hundred and some yep. million dollars? His standard deal is he gets sixty percent of the box office for his movies. Wow. Sixty percent. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. But Paid delivers, off. right? Yeah. Paid if you were off. a movie studio, you'd be happy to take 40%. Yeah. And it went on to win some Oscars. Yeah, the, some special effects and sound design. Sound and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, not acting. No, that's no, for no, sure. No, no, no. <laughs> Maybe one of the dinosaurs, but that's... Uh, that's and then now growl. there's a new one coming out, right? Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, I think at two weeks, uh, end mm. of this month, yeah. It looks good. good. It's the fifth one in the series. All five movies are basically the same. Yeah. Crazy dinosaurs go nuts. Uh, Some kids uh, get in trouble and some grownups do stupid things. And you can can tell so easily who's going to get eaten at the beginning of a Jurassic Park movie. Well, and the same in a horror movie, right? You know who's going to get... That guy's a jerk. Yeah, he'll be gone real soon, yeah. (laughs) And I know you and your fellow Couch Potato are really excited about Jeff Goldblum uh, being in the new one. Never a bad thing putting the gold globe yeah. in your movie. No. Why is that? What is it about? I think you're right. I, heard, just, you, I yeah. heard you guys saying this the other day, and I think you're right, but what is it about him? There, uh, that's just it. There's just something about Goldblum. The Goldblum that, factor. Exactly. Like hmm. He just he makes you smile when you see him because you have no idea what's going to come out of his mouth or how it's going to come out of his mouth. It's just, yeah. He's just that interesting. So 25th anniversary for Jurassic Park. Uh, also, on this day in 1978, Greece. Really? Was in theaters. Oh, yes. There you go. Also, on this day, 1980, Urban Cowboy. Holy smokes. Yep. E.T. on this day in 1982. That's now, a, that's a big one. That's a one-two punch from Spielberg. Yes. And then, uh, so, I guess E.T. would be up. Well, those are all great movies, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, anniversaries today. E.T.'s, an, I, I feel like E.T. doesn't get what it's due at this point. And it seems like it's fallen off the blockbuster radar. And, I mean, that was such a monstrously huge movie. I mean, I was six when it came out. Yeah. So it was specifically targeted at me. And it was, E.T. was my whole life for like a year. Yeah. I guess I look at great movies, if they still hold up today. Yeah. And E.T. certainly still holds up today. It does. It's a great story. Yep. Good special effects. I've got more than one friend that's like, yeah, we showed it to the kids. And I was like, how'd it go? He's like, oh, it was messy. It was gross. Really? They cried so hard. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Now we've now we got to deal with nightmares for a little yeah, <laughs> yeah. And just for the hell of it, on TV on this day in 01, Fear Factor. Oh. And in 02, American Idol. Really? So a couple of pretty good TV shows having back, back anniversaries when, yeah, today the, as well. The, the summer uh, reality show yes. boom, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Couch Potatoes, of course. You can get the podcast at cjob.com, Google Play, and iTunes. You can hear them here on CGOB every weekend, noon on Saturday, and again Sunday at 6 p.m. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Hal.
Jeff Braun, and of course the other coach, Potato Brett McGarry. You can hear weekday mornings here on CGOB from 6 to 10. Mackling and McGarry, great morning show. And uh, I was listening this morning coming in, and Brett went and saw this new movie on the weekend, Hereditary. It uh, They're calling this, some people are calling it, the uh, exorcist of this generation. And I like good horror movies. They're hard to find. So when you find a good one, uh, it came in fourth on the weekend with just $13 million. I was sort of surprised. I thought it might end up higher than, well, let me just give you the top five. Uh, at number five, Avengers Infinity War, $6.8 million bucks. Hereditary, $13 million, fourth spot. Third spot, Deadpool 2, $13.7 million. Solo, A Star Wars Story, $15.2 million in second spot. And number one, Ocean's 8, $41.5 million. And uh, Brett was saying that he wasn't really all that impressed with uh, Hereditary. I look uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, and they brag about it having a big Rotten Tomatoes score, 92%. So the critics love it, 92%. But the, listen to this. The audience score, 59%. So critics love it. Audience, not so much. Still a good movie, but not so much. So there might be something in there. Maybe I don't need to rush and see this. I was thinking I got to go see this movie. But uh, 92% the critics like it, 59% for the audience. And that sometimes is a, you know, depends, right? Sometimes the critics love stuff that isn't all that great to the average person. But there you go. Uh, We're talking about the lottery ticket in Winnipeg. A million-dollar winner sold as part of Lotto Max. $60 million went to somebody in Quebec, but a million here in Winnipeg. And so we've been uh, talking to people by text mostly about uh, is a million enough? You know, not getting greedy or anything, but I don't know. I I would argue maybe a million would be nice. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, uh, somebody just texted in, Hal, I made $3.5 million working over 35 years. Problem is my wife spent $4.5 million. (laughs) Yes. And then another text from the same person, Freedom 85, here I come. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, somebody else saying, uh, it would just be nice to have five bucks in my pocket to share with others. Life would be perfect. Yep. Yeah. It'd just be nice to a little relief, eh? a little financial relief would certainly be nice. So you can keep the Olympic comment or the, uh, uh, lotto comment Olympics. Where am I thinking here? The, uh, lottery comments coming. I'm running late. I got a break here. The news at two and then winning on the way. Hal Anderson afternoons on CJOB. Thank you, Cam. Well, you just uh, announced uh, what we've been talking about here. Bob was on the show a while ago. It looks like Strevler's the guy, eh? Yeah, he's the guy. I like that. I think I, that's uh, the way to go. I don't know. I, I like his flash. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, uh, I think Ross, he had a really good game against BC. Yep. Uh, he kind of did a bounce back from when he was here at home. But, mm-hmm. uh, he, yeah, I thought Strevler, he was, uh, like, he, he played exceptional in the game here. So, I would have went with him. So. Yeah. Oh, and I think, as I yeah. said to Bob earlier, I think that's what the fans wanted. The mm-hmm. fans are going to get it, and uh, we'll see how he does. And who knows? A star could be born, right? I mean, if he goes out and lights it up, when's, it's happened before. When's the last time the Bombers like kind of like developed a, a quarterback inside? Uh, uh, never. Now, it's been a long time. <laughs> it has I, never happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so it, it'd be nice. Hey, that'd be great if we had a you know a, a, a kind of a quarterback kind of develop in the system. Yeah. And, you know, Matt Nichols, great, but he's not going to last forever. So No, exactly. Yeah. Well, and we know that all too well yes. after, uh, yeah, and uh, it, would be, it would be nice to go, 
wow, he's played really well, and and to have a little bit of a, a you know a quarterback controversy, right? Well, I mean, that's a nice. good problem to have. So hope let let's hope. Eh? Yeah. But but I think as Bob said, and I've said it a couple times, and I heard you with Clay on the weekend. I think if the Bombers can win a couple games, uh, if if uh, Strebler's in for for four or five games, if we can split the games, and then Nichols comes back in, that's not terrible. Why? If we win against Edmonton, that's a big win. It's a big, yeah, it's a big gonna win. That's going to be tough. Yeah, it's going to be, gonna tough. be tough. They're good. They're good. Yeah. All yeah. right. Thank you, Cam. Cam Poitras uh, here uh, handling the news this afternoon on CJOB. It is tough trivia time. Your chance to win, not two, but four Red River X gate admissions. Four gate admissions for Red River X. And we're going to toss in some Santa Lucia pizza. All you got to do is answer our tough trivia question at 204-780-6868. Call right now. Get a line, 204-780-6868. Studies have shown that about a third of us have more than one of these. Could be anything, Hal. Yes, it's tough trivia for a reason. Studies have shown that about one-third of us, a third of us, have more than one of these. 204-780-6868. 204-780-6868. And I'll give you a real broad hint. It's a summer thing. All right? Well, hang on a sec. Yeah, it's used mostly in the summer. Let me say that. 204-780-6868. If you can answer the tough trivia question for Red River X Gate admissions and some Santa Lucia pizza as well. Hello, CJOB. Have you got a guess? Um, uh, personalities. <laughs> Not personality. Oh, 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 sorry about that. Nobody there. Hi, CJOB. And they hung up. CJOB, hello. Hello. Mm. You know, we just had a meeting today, and we were talking about the phones not behaving very well lately, and I wonder if we're going to have one of those days. Hi, CJOB. Hi, is it sunglasses? Not sunglasses. No, not sunglasses. Good guess, though. Hi, CJOB. Uh, flip-flops? Flip-flops, not flip-flops. No. Hi, uh, CJOB. Have you got a guess? Guess not. Hi, uh, CJOB, 204-780-6868. What's your guess? Uh, camera. Not a camera. No. Uh, I'm going to have to think of another hint here. Studies have shown that about a third of us have more than one of these. What's your answer? My answer is a cabin. Not a cabin, but you would use this at the cabin. Thank you. You want to take it? Okay. All right. You're fine. I was going to give you another stab at it, but that's fine. Hi, CJOB. Pair of shoes. Not a pair of shoes. No. Uh, Hi, CJOB. This is a bathing suit. It is not a bathing suit. No, this is not something you would put on. This is uh, something that you would actually have to go up to and use it. I'm going to keep dropping some hints like that as we go because it's pretty tough otherwise. Hi, CJOB. Barbecue? Study show. About a third of us have more than one barbecue. Seriously? <laughs> Very, very good. Yes, you did well with those hints, and you came up with the correct answer. What is your name? Sharon Melnick. Sharon, you have won yourself four Red River X Gate admissions, and we're tossing in some Santa Lucia pizza as well. 
Okay, and when do I pick this up? You hang on. Jeff Forte, the producer of this show, is going to give you all the information you need, okay? Oh, thank you very much. All right, we're going to give away more gate uh, admissions tomorrow for Red River X. Four more coming up tomorrow. More Santa Lucia pizza tomorrow as well. Quick break here at 2.10, and we're going to come back and talk about how the men here in Manitoba are not very healthy. In fact... The most unhealthy in all of Canada. Details on the way. All right, 2.15, quarter after 2, we're going to talk about men's health. Take a listen to this, first of all. Nearly 80% of men in Manitoba are unhealthy. That's according to a new Canadian Men's Health Foundation study. The findings are based on an online survey of 2,000 men between the ages of 19 and 94. Manitoba and Saskatchewan were found to be the unhealthiest provinces in the country. The study also says 72% of men Canada-wide live unhealthy lifestyles, taking part in two or more unhealthy habits such as a poor diet, lack of exercise or sleep, smoking, or drinking alcohol. Nolan Cole, Global News. All right, so 80%. Wow. When I heard that number, I was I was shocked, to be honest with you. I, I mean, listen. I am far from the picture of health, but I guess you hear a number like that and you think, really, 80% of us unhealthy? That's kind of of crazy. Jeff Creer had on today from the Canadian Men's Health Foundation, Joe Ratchard, and he explained about this latest study and exactly what it means. So what we did, this is the first time ever, we actually looked at the health behaviors that cause chronic disease in guys. So we looked at the five that uh, the five that impact the most, and that is, you know, uh, uh, unhealthy sleep, uh, unhealthy alcohol consumption, smoking naturally, uh, the amount of physical activity you get, and how healthy your diet is. So we took a look at those five, and we measured those five against a population across Canada, and came up with some, you know, pretty pretty interesting results to say the least. And as Cam was saying earlier, Cam Poitras handling the news on the show today, as he was saying earlier, he looked at the five, you know, and he was like. Gee, you know, well, I don't smoke, you know, but if you're, you know, really honest about it and, and you look at it, but as Joe went on to say, listen, uh, this is about getting it out there, making men aware of this. And as he put it, it's about the destination, not the outcome. This is about the destination and not the outcome. So we want to get guys thinking about their health from a lifestyle standpoint and this is the destination. You want to you want to get on this road. You want to get on this path to be healthier. So you know when you you get to that you know older late age, you're not hit with all these you know health issues because you've been taking care of your health earlier. Okay, and again, here is Ratcher with some more numbers for guys in Canada that have like no unhealthy behaviors, like zero out of these five. It's about six percent, and uh, one one unhealthy behavior is about twenty percent. So yeah, we're at about one in five guys, and uh, you know it'd be great to get that to two and three out of five eventually. You know, this is a starting point for us as Canadian guys. All right, let's look at a couple of the five areas here, okay? Uh, diet. I mean, obviously, that is an important uh, area. Here is what Ratchard had to say about diet. You know, we came up with 62% of Canadian men have an unhealthy diet. You know, that's, you know, that, that indicates, you know, the obesity epidemic that we have going on in the country, the, the rise in type 2 diabetes, you know, all that kind of stuff is, is contributed by that unhealthy diet as well. And that's a pretty big number at 62%. And, you know, the other, you know, there's another three of them that are over 50%. So, 
you know, we got to start working with Canadian guys to uh, get those percentages down. And from diet to exercise. Really, you need about 150 minutes of what's called moderate to vigorous activity a week. So we recommend 30 minutes a day, five days a week. And, you know, that doesn't have to all be done at once. That can be something really simple. You know what? Three flights of stairs, I'm going to make a rule that I take, I walk the stairs if it's three or less. Or if I'm going to the big box store, I park my car at the back of the mall or I get out at my lunchtime and I walk around five city blocks. You can build that up during the day and you can do it in little increments. And, and that's key on how, how to do that one. But really, we are looking at 150 minutes of, you know, moderate to vigorous activity. You know, if that's mowing your lawn or getting out in the garden, it's a great way to do it, too. Yeah, that's Joe Ratchard from Jeff Courier's show here on CJOB Today, Canadian Men's Health Foundation. So let's talk about it. 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com. What are some things you do? I think the exercise one is the one where it's easy to go, well, I'll take the stairs or I'm going to park over here in the lot and I'm going to I'm gonna walk in a little further. I think that's one where you can sort of chip away at it, you know, but I'd be curious to hear your ideas, your the ways that you try and be healthier, especially I want to hear from guys because this is about guys' health. And again, I'll just give you the headline here in Manitoba, Manitoba men the healthiest, unhealthiest rather, the unhealthiest in all of Canada. So we got work to do here. Want to hear from you. 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com. Roger is on the phone. Roger, what did you uh, want to say? Okay, so let's check it off here. Uh, okay, I don't smoke. Yeah. Uh, drink, drink. I, uh, I have the odd glass of wine, but that's about it. All right. Uh, okay, so sleep, well, yeah, it could be a little better because I see the problem with me is I, got, I have even shift. I work from 3.30 to 12. Yeah, and you're talking yeah. to a guy who for many, many years was getting up at 3, 3.30 in the morning, and, and I know that it kills you. Yeah, so when I get home at midnight, binge eating, which is not good. Nope, right, and eating yeah. just before you lay down. That See, you're getting home from work, you're tired, but you got to eat before you go to bed, right? And so you yeah. eat and then you lay down. Worst thing you can do. Yeah, you eat and then you, you recorded a couple of things and you want to watch it. Yeah, right. So you're not getting up, to, you're not going to bed till about 2 or 3 in the morning. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's not good. And But the thing is, too, I used to exercise a lot when I was younger, but I had a, I had a very serious accident yeah. where I can't do what I normally would have enjoyed as far as I say, quote, exercising. Right. But at the same token, too, that guy that talked about 80%, I, my dad's 95, and he's, he's never exercised, he's never done anything, and he's never had a heart attack, he's never had a stroke. He's slowed mm. down a lot, don't get me wrong, he's slowed mm. down. But I think a lot of it has to do with your family tree, hereditary. Tree. Genetics absolutely has a lot to do with it, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, so like for me, because of genetics, I, I don't exercise, but basically, my I don't I am overweight, but I've never had an issue as far as that. But my wife says, if you ever have something and your doctor says to lose weight, you're in trouble because you're going to have a lot of problems as far as willpower. Yeah, but here's the deal, you know. I, I'll just uh, speak, you know, from personal experience. You go through life. I've always been really heavy, and in some, at some points in my life, 
like crazy, morbidly obese, really. I, I have been morbidly obese. And at some point in your life when you're younger, I can't, you know, wear a shirt off the rack or whatever. But then later in life, all this stuff catches up to you, right? That's the problem, Roger. It all catches yep. up to you later in that's life. Right. So that's why I think it's good that we had this conversation that, you know, this study is out and, it, and it's got us talking because it really is important to get on this stuff as early as you possibly can. Yeah, like say for instance, I was I was about a hundred pounds overweight for from about sixteen to about twenty nine. Yeah, and then I went to the gym. I lost a lot of weight, uh, and uh, I flip flopped back and forth, back and forth. And I, I, you know, I ran and I I did the weights and all that stuff, and I matched back, you know. But then when I had the accident, yeah. it basically threw me a curveball. That was it. Yeah, and you're looking. You're talking to a guy right now that uh, is probably the poster uh, boy for yo-yo dieting. So I I hear you when you say you're you're up and you're down. Roger, thanks for the call. I really appreciate it. And Glenn, let's see if we can squeeze you in here before the news. Hi, Glenn. Hey, how are you doing? Good, huh? great. What do you think? Long time listener, first time caller. Thank you, bud. Um, yeah, I'm 55 plus, and my way of getting in shape is to hike the ridge. Two fishing rods, right? Yeah. My tackle box, right? And do the overland thing. Right. Yeah. So you you involve uh, you involve something you love doing, fishing, and you make exercise a part of it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And then when you're sitting there and you're fishing, Glenn, you don't yeah. you don't have four or five beer, right? Because you gotta you gotta get that off. No, no, I gotta get back. I've hiked up the ridge. Right, yeah. Got to get back. Right, right? And, I might and have the, one or two. Yeah, well, but you shouldn't even see. You shouldn't even do that. And then the other thing is, you, if you're fishing, eat the fish because the fish is good for you. I'm just going. Good, I'm right? just going down the list of this study here. Right, you eat the fish because the fish is pretty good for you. And if you can, close your eyes and and take a nap while you wait for the next fish to take a bite. Oh. Okay. I agree, hundred uh, percent. I got one that still fishes and one that's casting. And yeah, like you got to keep your eye on, right? Yeah, good. Well, hey, thanks for calling in, Glenn. I appreciate it. Okay, man. All Have right, a good one. Thanks a lot. What do you do? Two zero four seven eighty sixty eight sixty eight. What do you do to try and be healthier, stay in shape? What do you eat? Do you get good sleep? Sleep is huge. That is huge. Uh, as I said the other day, I've been in radio and TV 35 years. All but a couple of those years has been morning radio, 3.30, 4 in the morning, getting up. And I'm telling you, it's it it's terrible. It's it shift work. I feel bad for people that do shift work. And now that I've got this job where I'm, you know, in here at 8 in the morning and I'm, I'm heading out of here after the show at 4, I mean, I wish I'd had those hours all the years. Because I, I did the same thing that um, that the callers were talking about, you know, you'd You'd, on the way home from when I was working rock radio, you'd be up in the morning, get a nap in the afternoon, go do your bar gig on your way home. You'd grab a burger, go right to bed. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a vicious, vicious cycle, and we've got to try and break it because the headline again is Manitoba men among the least healthy in all of Canada. 204-780-6868. Hal at cjob.com. Back to Hal Anderson. Thank you very much, Cam. All right, let's get back to this uh, Trump between uh, fight between Trump and Trudeau after the G7 summit and look ahead to the summit, uh, the meeting tonight between Trump and uh, Jung-un. 
by talking to somebody who knows all about negotiation. He teaches negotiation and consensus building at the Asper School of Business at the University of Manitoba. Sean McDonald joins us on the phone. Good afternoon, Sean. Good afternoon, Hal. Well, let's begin with what happened on the weekend, this mess between Trump and Trudeau. What do you make of it? Well, that was a... That was an old-timer. That was something that I don't think in the history of uh, relationships between Canada and the United States that we've had anything so uh, blatantly uh, raw and hostile uh, come from the United States towards Canada. So it's, it's troubling, but maybe within the context of the present occupant of the White House, it's it's not as surprising as we would have thought in the past. And you've talked before um, about how unpredictable Trump is. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's living up to that label, uh, for sure. Now, the Americans said that Trudeau weakened Trump heading into his big meeting with Kim Jong-un, and we'll get to that in a second. Do yeah. you buy that, or is, is that just an excuse for the tweets that he sent out taking shots at our prime minister? Yeah, no, I I think that this this really uh, starts from a, a relationship going sour between Justin Trudeau and Donald Trump because when you look at the argument that Trump is making, um, it doesn't stand up well. I'll give you a couple of examples. First of all, it needs to be stated again and again and again. The United States has a trade surplus with right. Canada; they get more. So. Uh, when you're into some sort of deal, I, I get it that certain sectors of the economy may be doing better or worse, but they have a surplus. The second thing, the United States has a 3.9% rate of unemployment. Every expert tells you that's full employment, meaning the jobs that Donald Trump is claiming to save, um, they're not lost Virtually everybody who wants a job has a job in the United States. So they have a surplus and they have a job. So the so the basis of the argument that somehow the U.S. is getting ripped off is a house of cards. Um, I'll add one other thing, and that's this, that I, I get it that uh, Trump uh, is playing to a political base particularly in the what they would call the rust belt of the United States where he probably won the seats he needed to win to win to get the to get the election right but in doing that he's creating a whole bunch of of really severe damage to a historically excellent uh international relationship and what does this do now to the NAFTA negotiations? I mean, he signed off on the communique, and then he's on Air Force One, and he goes, yeah. we're out. I mean, how do you negotiate with a guy like this? He does a deal, yeah. and then he, he drops it. He says, we're done. We're, we're not in the deal yeah. anymore. So the NAFTA negotiations were probably due for some sort of an upgrade. But what this does, it seems, is uh, it, it's a poison pill. It's designed to make it fail. And for example, Trump had insisted that there be something called a sunset clause on the NAFTA negotiations, meaning the deal would expire in five years. Right. Nobody, Hal, goes into a deal for trade that says, oh, and by the way, in five years, this expires. That just doesn't happen. Mm. So 
I think in some ways uh, it, it would be hyperbolic to say NAFTA is dead, but it would would be reasonable to say that that NAFTA is in real trouble and will try to pick up the pieces with some sort of a bilevel or bilateral deal between Canada and the U.S. on a on a sector by sector basis. But that's not as good, and maybe we just have to w- run down the clock until there's new management in the White House, whenever that will be. Hmm. And then, of course, tonight, uh, Trump, I think around 8 o'clock Winnipeg time, uh, Trump sits down with uh, Kim Jong-un from North Korea. It really is amazing how quickly this has happened, how quickly this has come together. Bizarre how quick it's come together after 50 years of, of absolute hostility that suddenly they put this together in a couple of months, a couple of weeks, really. I think that if we set our expectations as absolutely as low as it could possibly be, and that being that they have a photo opportunity and they agree that they'll meet in the future, I think that's about it. To to go beyond that, to say that there's something uh, significant uh, would be a bit much for a couple of reasons. Is the North Koreans time and time and time again lie? They they don't tell the truth in the negotiations. They broke the last deal that they had with the U.S. Uh, they made a deal in '94 and they didn't abide by it. But it took about eight years to figure out that they weren't abiding by a nuclear deal. So uh, it's hard to really take seriously any type of of long-term commitment coming from these talks. So I I think it's better to talk than not talk. I think it's probably uh, a positive thing to to have more of a dialogue. But beyond that, I don't see that there's anything significant that's going to come out of this. And the other thing is Trump doesn't understand the nuclear weapons issues. So what are they going to talk about? Uh, I, I don't see that much other than a photo op. Hey, one more question for you, Sean. You're yeah. an expert in negotiation. What message is Trump trying to send? He's fighting with Canada and all the other members of the G7, all of his allies, and yet he's reaching out to and sitting down with a guy like Kim Jong-un. He's trying to convince the rest of the G7 to let Putin back in and make it the G8. Seems like he's friendlier and nicer uh, to these horrible leaders around the world, and yet allies he treats like dirt. Yeah, well, this is really a bit beyond the pale. We get the fact that Donald Trump is a disruptor. We get that that's part of his appeal. But when he's got his trade uh, representative saying that there should be a special place in hell for Justin Trudeau, and when he's saying that uh, you know Canada stabbed the United States in the back, yeah. uh, there's no there's no lessons to be learned here about the lack of civ- civility and coarseness that's kind of taken over this this dialogue. There, there isn't lessons. I mean, I get being a disruptor. I don't get being uh, some boor in international communication. That's that's not good for anybody. Sean, appreciate your insight. Thank you. All the best, Hal. Take care. Sean McDonald, he teaches negotiation and consensus building at the University of Manitoba Asper School of Business. And uh, 
earlier we played all the audio kind of, you know, from the G7 Trump and Trudeau thing and and even uh, Trump's uh, thoughts heading into this meeting with Kim Jong-un tonight. I will play one other piece of audio that came in since then. Um, This is former Prime Minister Stephen Harper. He was on Fox News Sunday yesterday. And he says that Trump's trade war with America's longstanding ally, Canada, a bad idea on several levels. Stephen Harper. I don't understand the obsession with, uh, you know, trade relations with Canada. Um, not only is the deficit, trade deficit with Canada small, the United States runs a current account surplus with Canada. Canada is the biggest single purchaser of U.S. goods and services in the world. It just seems to me this is the wrong target. And, and you know, from what I understand of American public opinion, I don't think even Trump supporters think the Canadian trade relationship is a problem. Former Prime Minister, former Conservative Prime Minister Stephen Harper on Fox News Sunday yesterday. Quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to go back to the health issue. And uh, Global News reporter Dinah Foxall has been uh, digging into this a bit more. How do us men uh, try to get back on track, being a little more healthy? We'll talk to Diana next after a break. Hal Anderson Afternoons on CJOB. All right, 2.47, don't forget the news with Cam Poitras coming up at the top of the clock. Global News reporter Diana Foxall is here now. And uh, after getting this bad news in this study today, Manitoba men, the unhealthiest in all of Canada, you've done some digging to try and help us get back on track, Diana. I have, yes. So obviously some very disheartening news coming this morning. Um, Nearly 80% of men in Manitoba and Saskatchewan are considered unhealthy. So Mm. I figured how... Do we kind of flip this on its head and go forward? So I spoke to Jan Corneal, an assistant professor at the University of British Columbia's Sauter School of Business, to sort of find out how we can get better at setting healthier habits and actually sticking to them. Now, Professor Corneal says there are a number of factors that can help you succeed if you're trying to stick with your healthy habits. And of course, goal setting is number one. So goals that are more likely to be attained are uh, usually realistic. Of course, you don't want to make something completely over the top. Uh, but there's also a research on how to frame goal, uh, whether it is promotion or prevention. So a promotion type of goal would be, for instance, uh, if I stop smoking, I will save money and I can run 10K. A prevention type of goal would be, if I stop smoking, I would avoid having a disease, right? It's just framing the goal in a positive or in a negative way. And we know that uh, positive goals, promotion goals, are usually more effective and people are more likely to follow them. Now, these tips aren't just relevant for individuals. Uh, Corneal says the messaging framework extends to government setting out policies too. So again, the more positive sort of reinforcement that you can give when people are trying to get healthier, the better. So this, this can be important for how policymakers design health messages. Um, if a health message is, a, is designed in a negative way, uh, so for instance, something threatening for binge drinkers or for, for smokers, uh, um, consumers will generally tend to discard those types of messages. When it is threatening, there is a reactance. And people will say, oh, this is not for me. This doesn't concern me. They will tend to ignore any uh, negatively framed message uh, that can uh, create create some kind of discomfort. And that's one of the reasons why um, uh, 
framing a health message in a positive way. What are the, uh, the, the nice outcomes that people can expect from reducing uh, alcohol or tobacco consumption? Uh, this type of messages can be more effective. So think about the positives your changes will bring if you're trying to get healthy instead of using fear as a motivator. But the one thing you can't do is simply rely on self-control. You have to help yourself by setting up your environment to help you succeed. What research suggests is that people who are good at controlling themselves do not necessarily have a lot of willpower. They're not necessarily good at resisting temptation, saying no to the extra drink, for instance, but they are good at managing their environment. And this is something important both at the individual level and at the level of policy making, for instance. So an environment where you can, uh, you're not exposed to temptations all the time. Um, so one example would be how you design your kitchen. Uh, what do you want to have visible in your kitchen? Do you want to have the fruits or the snacks, for instance? Well, you'd better have the snacks locked in a cupboard and the fruits very visible because they act as cues that can activate specific wants. So kind of in summary, the gist is if you want to get healthy, you have to set those real concrete goals. You have to make your goals achievable. Kind of back in the day in elementary school, they'd say set the SMART goals for specific, measurable, uh, gosh, what's the A, but just kind of running through that checklist of achievable, um, realistic and time sensitive. So make everything kind of easier for you to take off your list So whether it's rearranging your environment to help you achieve those goals or not buying the cupcakes if you know you're going to come home and eat them Mm -hmm. and just prioritize making your success a possibility. And I have a smile on my face, Diana, as as you go through this. And, you know, everybody's going, yeah, yes, it goes, make it easy, support it, but it's hard. Oh, yeah. There's no denying that. It's hard. That's the hardest part of this, right? I mean, we and, and that's why we need to go through this again and remind people that, yeah, if it was easy, listen, if it was easy, we wouldn't be talking about it, right? It's hard. And you're going to uh, continue to kind of dig into this a bit more. And I know you've got some stuff coming up on the news. You want to tee it up? Yeah. So I am speaking to uh, Professor Mark Mitchell out of the University of Western Ontario. He actually helped create an app that sort of rewards people for reaching a certain step count. So Mm. I'm going to be also following this up with the sort of perhaps more tangible side of things, rewarding yourself for being physically active or other health measures that we saw in the study that came out today. So we'll see what people can do as well as all the standards, support yourself, um, set yourself up well, the actual physical things. Mm. I know uh, earlier today in our newsroom meeting, we mentioned, okay, say I want to get more active, I'm just going to get my favorite TV show, pop it up on my phone or my iPad, and I'm only going to watch that when I'm at the gym walking on the treadmill. So that's how I'm going to get my steps in, and I'm also going to reward myself. So tying something you might not want to do that's good for you to a reward. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll look into that side of things a little bit later today. Okay, and Diana will have details on that coming up on the news with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham right here after 4 o'clock. A couple of text messages that you've sent in and emails, 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com. Jacob says, hey, Hal, I'm 63, retired for the last three and a half years. I know I eat wrong and drink too much, but I walk two miles every day and hit the gym lifting weights five days a week. I could do better, but I feel 
great. And I think, listen, I'm not the one to be preaching to you how to do this. But I will say that, yeah, you know, sure, you're going to have a beer or whatever. It's in moderation. And then, uh, you know, you've, you've just got to you just got to chip away at it. I, th- I think the key and the other thing that I've been told, and I think this is really true, is you can't expect to turn it, you know, 180 in a day or two. Right. You've got to, you know, have a plan, set your goals, ease into it and and accomplish it that way. Here's another text message here. How I do a lot of cycling, lots of great bike paths and trails in Winnipeg and in the province. Absolutely. Mike says, how men's health study. I think the best for me is basically everything in moderation. Kind of what I was just saying. I mean by that, you only have one life. So enjoy it as long as no one else gets hurt. Uh, go for it. That's uh, Mike. Brad says, how I'm 56. My exercise, 30 minutes of sex, four times a week. What? Come on. Are you kidding, Brad? You're making us all look bad. 56 and 30 minutes of sex four times a week. Wow. Good for you. And (laughs) kind of read that one without pre-reading it. And cycle shops in Winnipeg have free city maps of all the safe uh, cycle lanes and bike paths. Facebook also has bike clubs. Uh, that have cycle events all the time, which you can enjoy. Uh, join uh, cycling is a lot of fun and great cardio as well. Absolutely. So thanks for weighing in all your text messages, phone calls, and uh, emails. Really appreciate you uh, you helping out. And just got another text message here. Somebody driving in from Steinbach. Driving in from Steinbach, Cal. Heavy rain, poor visibility. People need to put their lights on. Certainly, if you. Run across that uh, downpour out there. Uh, get those lights on. And thanks for letting us know. So apparently somebody driving in from Steinbach, heavy rain. And we can certainly see some of that. By the way, uh, full forecast details coming up in the news at 3 o'clock here in just a few minutes with Cam Poitras. He is standing by to inform you. If you're wondering, it's uh, cloudy here in Polo Park and uh, 16 degrees right now. After the news with Cam at 3 o'clock, all kinds of stuff on the way, uh, including birthdays. And that, of course, will be an excuse uh, to play a song. So hang on. All kinds of stuff coming up here. It's Hal Anderson on CJOB. All right. Thank you, Cam. Hal Anderson here on CJOB 306, final hour of the show. And uh, now under five hours away from... Donald Trump sitting down with Kim Jong-un in Singapore. And lots of speculation, of course, as to what, if anything, might be accomplished at the meeting. The U.N. is hoping good things come from the meeting. Secretary General Antonio Guterres called the Trump-Kim summit a bit of good news and a promising development for global peace and security. I hope all parties will seize this opportunity to support a peaceful prosperous, secure, and verifiable denuclearized Korean Peninsula. Guterres said UN agencies, including the International Atomic Energy Agency and the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty Organization, are ready to support any agreement. He also urged attention to the humanitarian needs of 6 million isolated and impoverished North Koreans, a campaign for which the UN is seeking $111 million. Warren Levinson, New York. You know who else has arrived in uh, Singapore getting ready for the summit between... Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un. Dennis Rodman, 
has arrived. Here's what Dennis Rodman had to say in Singapore. It should go fairly well, but uh, people should not expect so much uh, for the first time. So uh, open, like I said, the door's open. Should go fairly well, you know. Just don't expect too much. The door is open. Wise words from Dennis Rodman. Why he is there. Wouldn't that be funny if they went in to have their meeting? And I'm sure Trump will have his people. And Kim Jong-un brings in Dennis Rodman in a wedding dress. That would be funny. That would be funny. Uh, Here's what Donald Trump had to say about his meeting with Kim Jong-un. Here are Trump's expectations of what might come from... uh, And really, if you listen to this, he's kind of putting pressure on Kim Jong-un, right? He's sort of saying, listen, this is this guy's chance. Interesting. Take a listen. Donald Trump. This has probably rarely been done. It's unknown territory in the truest sense. Uh, But I really feel confident. I feel that Kim Jong-un wants to do something great for his people. And he has that opportunity. And he won't have that opportunity again. It's never going to be there again. So I really believe that he's going to do something very positive for his people, for himself, his family. Uh, He's got an opportunity, the likes of which I think almost, if you look into history, very few people have ever had. He can take that nation with those great people and truly make it great. So it's a one-time, it's a one-time shot, and I think it's going to work out very well. And that's why I feel positive, because it makes so much sense. Donald Trump. And Trump's uh, Secretary of State, Pompeo, is using a term that I haven't really heard before, but irreversible denuclearization irreversible that's what they're hoping comes from this but if you missed it earlier i i talked to sean mcdonald he teaches uh, negotiation and consensus building at the asper school of business at the university of manitoba he really doesn't think much is going to come from this meeting between trump and kim jong-un i think that if we set our expectations as absolutely as low as it could possibly be, and that being that they have a photo opportunity and they agree that they'll meet in the future. I think that's about it. To to go beyond that, to say that there's something uh, significant uh, would be a bit much for a couple of reasons. Is The North Koreans time and time and time again lie. They, they don't tell the truth in the negotiations. They broke the last deal that they had with the U.S. Uh, they made a deal in 94, and they didn't abide by it, but it took about eight years to figure out that they weren't abiding by the, a nuclear deal. So yeah. uh, it's hard to really take seriously any type of, of long-term commitment coming from these talks. So I, I think it's better to talk than not talk. I think it's probably uh, a positive thing to to have an, more of a dialogue. But beyond that, I don't see that there's anything significant that's going to come out of this. And the other thing is Trump doesn't understand the nuclear weapons issues. So what are they going to talk about? Uh, I, I don't see that much other than a photo op.
Sean McDonald's Asper School of Business. He teaches negotiation at the University of Manitoba. Let's take a break. We've got traffic issues out there, perimeter and pipeline. Matt, a- uh, pipeline, perimeter and pipeline. Matt Abra will tell us about it. Weather forecast details on the way as well. It's Hal and CJOB. 3.16 is the time. If you are uh, going to maybe grab a latte at Starbucks this afternoon, you might find the door is locked. Starbucks Canada President Michael Conway sent a letter to customers explaining the training will involve sharing experiences, listening to experts, reflecting on the realities of bias in society, and talking about how employees can create public spaces where everyone feels like they belong. The Seattle-based companies apologized for the arrest of two black men who were refused permission to use the washroom in a shop in Philadelphia. Conway calls that incident reprehensible. Don Kelly, the Canadian Press, Toronto. And listen, I think this is a great idea. We have been taking sensitivity training in this building uh, here at uh, CJOB and Power 97 and Peggy for many, many years. We've had uh, sensitivity training from time to time. And I think this is good, and Starbucks needed to do something after what happened in, in the States, and they referred to it in that in that story there. But listen, do you need to shut your, down, uh, shut your door on all your locations for an entire afternoon? No. You could have done the sensitivity training and still kept your store open. Now, maybe this is a way to – maybe it's about increasing awareness of the problem. Or is Starbucks doing it this way looking – for us to talk about Starbucks. I don't know. Still a good idea. I'm just saying, I don't think they had to shut down all the stores across Canada for an entire afternoon. They could have, you know, half the staff takes the training this day and half the staff take, I don't know. And maybe I'm just looking where there's nothing there. I don't know. It just and I, As I saw that, I thought, really? Come on, Starbucks is, a you know, but maybe it's about awareness to the issue. And if that's the case, then it's all good. But I just kind of thought that was little interesting. And speaking of lattes, I do like Starbucks lattes. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Their chai tea latte is one of my favorites. How about a broccoli latte? I saw this story and I thought, what? Yes, it's a new veggie packed broccoli latte. And apparently it is taking over cafes in Melbourne, Australia. It began with a scientific experiment in a recent effort to reduce food waste. Australian researchers pulverized ugly broccoli when you hear when the word ugly in front of food it's it's uh grocery stores maybe normally would have tossed it out it's ugly you know nothing wrong with it it just doesn't look great and people aren't going to buy it so anyhow they pulverized this ugly broccoli and they came up with this broccoli latte and now it's a hit Research shows the average Australian still not eating the recommended daily intake of vegetables and options such as broccoli powder will address this, according to the chief executive of the the agency that developed this powder. His name is John Lloyd. But the powder's taste is so strong that it needs to be mixed with something even stronger, like coffee. So Lloyd's team turned it over to local baristas, who have stirred it into lattes and other elixirs. Reviews were mixed, said Melbourne's Peak Cafe owner Sam uh, Peck. Cafe owner Sam Peck. The easiest way to describe the taste is to imagine taking a big bite out of a broccoli, he said. Now imagine it in liquid form. Mm, yeah, not for me. But maybe mixed with coffee. 
it works. Apparently it does because it's a hit in the cafes in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, birthdays today. Let's take a look at uh, some celebrity birthdays here. Adrian Barbeau is having a birthday today. 73 years old. Somewhere I've got an interview that I did a while back with her. I'll have to see if I can find that. Frank Beard. You know who that is? Frank Beard. I'll play a song in a second. Having a birthday today. 69. Donnie Van Zant, 38 special. Van Zant, 66 today. Peter Bergman, I mentioned him because I'm a YNR fan. Young and Restless, he plays Jack. Jack Abbott on the Young and the Restless. Peter Bergman, 65. Joe Montana, NFL Hall of Famer, 62 today. Hugh Laurie, he played, uh, he's a doctor on House, Gregory House, 59. Peter Dinklage, Game of Thrones, and other movies, of course, 49. And Shia LaBeouf is 32. Frank Beard, of course. ZZ Top, yes, 69 today. Happy birthday, a little sharp-dressed man to a break. Weather, sports, and news on the way. Hal Anderson on CJOB. Shut up. 